As you find your seats, if you'll turn with me to Luke 15. Good morning. How's everybody this morning? Enjoying summer? Ready for vacation? Just getting back from vacation? Wishing you had another vacation? Wherever you are, um, I hope and pray that you find a reality to be true that we sing. Every Sunday, I love joining my voice with you. I love singing together. I love being reminded of the way God loves us. And again, this morning as we were singing, how great is our God? Uh, I am just reminded of that reality in the midst of deep struggle. Deep struggle in lives around me, in my own life. Uh, uh, Just even yesterday, getting some real troubling news about some friends of mine and Again, just to be able to come together with you as family and to be reminded, you know what? In the midst of it, our God is great. So if you're here today and you are wrestling with that reality, um, I hope and pray that you will not leave here wondering if it is true. Uh, And if you are here this morning and you are on top of the world and you were singing your lungs out because you know God is great, I hope that uh, you'll rub off on the rest of us, all right? So... um, Today we finish up a series on the prodigal sons, the prodigal God, the Father. Uh, We have spent three weeks looking at uh, what has famously been known as the prodigal son story. Interestingly, uh, we started off with the father. We started off with the father on Father's Day. Uh, Last week we looked at the older brother, the older son, and realized his lostness. Today we will focus on that younger son. And it's my hope and prayer that God's spirit, as as we're praying how great is our God, I want you to know I'm praying like crazy. Because I'm like, Lord, I'm going to stand up and talk about you. And I know I need to be reminded, and I know you do too, that our God really is Great. Madeline Levine uh, wrote a book, a New York Times best-selling book. I, I just picked it up, started reading it, really enjoy it. It's called The Price of Privilege. And for those in this congregation, uh, it's probably a good read. Interesting read. Uh, she is a psychologist in Marin, California, uh, a very affluent area, a very educated area. And primarily for the last 25 years, Madeline has been focusing on teenagers. And she's been focusing on their development, their pain, their struggles, and their sorrows. And recently she's come to some amazing conclusions. As a matter of fact, she says that parental pressure, a material advantage like stuff, are creating a generation of unhappy, disconnected kids. Levine's first story out of the block is if you just get the book and you read the first thing, you'll be introduced to a 15-year-old girl. And she describes this 15-year-old girl as bubbly, as she's got a great personality, uh, that she has a tremendous talent, uh, she's easy to, to talk with. Uh, she has parents that are highly involved. She has affluence. She has an education in front of her. And you look at this girl and you say, wow, this is really a story of success in the making. 
This girl has everything the world can offer to offer her life and joy and meaning. She seems to have the world uh, by the the horns, as a bull by the horns, and man, she's going to have success. And yet, as Levine is meeting with this girl, she notices a telltale sign of trouble, a long t-shirt with holes cut in for her thumbs that she can cover over some of her own pain. The pain in this young 15-year-old girl's heart was so great in the midst of all that she had that she carved into her own arm the one single word, empty. Empty. And Levine wondered and struggled, how? How could someone with seemingly so much carve into her own arm The word empty. Well, the world and all of its promises and all that she seemed to have at her disposal did not fill her. As we look to the younger son in the prodigal son story, if he came back from a far country with a tattoo that will talk about his experience, his experience of taking all that the father had lavished upon him, his experience of into a far country of meeting Uh, wild women with wine women in song his experience of his party life if he came back with a tattoo of a single word that would describe everything it too would say empty many of us know that feeling some of our stories include long journeys into far distant lands Looking for life apart from the Father. Looking for life with whatever the world has to offer us. And the reality that we come back carved in our own hearts, empty. Empty. That is the story of the younger son. But there's good news about this story. His emptiness caused him to turn. Turn back to the Father and find life. Let me give you the briefest of recaps again. You have a father who is incredibly loving to two lost sons, an older son and a younger son. A younger son tries to find life apart from the father by saying, I want nothing to do with you, dad. I wish you were dead. What I really want is not a relationship with you, not an authority from you. What I want is your stuff and I want to go and make my life on my own. So give me my stuff and I'm going to set off for a far country. What a lost son. The father also had another son, another son who was also equally lost, even maybe more so more lost. And he wasn't in a far country by distance. He too didn't want a relationship with the father. He tried to manipulate the father by moral living, by being religious. And this should really scare us because God gives us a story from the lips of his own son, Jesus, that we can be lost in the church morally trying to earn something from the Father as well as riotous living with with crazy prostitutes and wild parties. Both sons were lost. Both sons were empty. If they had tattoos in their lives, you have a loving father and two sons with a tattoo of empty 
in their lives. Let's look again at the story. Um, this is God's word, so let's be mindful. It's holy, it's inerrant. And it's my hope and prayer that as we read this today, that there's something in here that'll just jump off the page and say, wow, I've never heard that before. I've never seen that. And it's ultimately my hope and prayer through this sermon and every sermon that the Holy Spirit will be working in your heart to show you where you fit in the story. Sometimes it may be that loving father. Sometimes it may be that wandering younger son. Sometimes it might be that moral-seeking older son. Sometimes it might be both. Let's read the story. God's holy and errant word together. Luke chapter 15. Starting in verses 1 through 3, it just gives us the setting of who is there. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, Jesus. These are the folks that represent probably the younger son, the younger brother, those sinners. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled. The Pharisees, the religious folks, the scribes, these are the religious elite. These probably represent in the story the elder brother or son. And these religious people were grumbling, saying, This man, Jesus, he receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable, skipping to verse 11. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. Clearly, the younger son is liquidating the father's assets. For him to be able to go, he's not bringing the sofa with him. Uh, He's not bringing the stuff that the father had to give him in kind. So he had a huge garage sale of his father's stuff, taking whatever price so he could fill his pockets quickly and get away from the father. So you can imagine the father's pain of dividing the property and then seeing the shame of a younger son having a wholesale of his property to fill his pockets and to take off with cash. He took a journey into a far country and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything A severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So we went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country. Really what it's saying is, is that he went out and he, like, stuck to a citizen of another country. He was like, became like adhesive to them. Glue, looking to find identity in this citizen, looking for the citizen to provide for him. Well, this citizen sent him into the field to feed pigs. That's not what a young Jewish boy should be doing. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, when he came to his right mind, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. 
But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this is my son. My son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. But now his older son was in the field. And he came and drew near to the house. He heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants. And by the way, this had to be a a low servant if he's not in the party. And asked him what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And your father has killed the fatted calf. Because he received him back safe and sound. He restored him. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father and said, Look, these many years I have slaved for you, and I have never disobeyed your commandments. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And the father said to him, Son... You are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this brother, this your, this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Let us pray. Father, the truth of many of our stories right now is it feels empty. And Father, I can so relate to this story of being both the younger and the older sons. God, I so see in my heart as the younger son a desire to find life apart from You. From wanting You to give me stuff so I can go and find life and meaning and joy and happiness on my own. And Father, I can see myself as the older brother trying to manipulate you through my religion and my righteousness, slaving for you so that you would be indebted to me and missing the party and the celebration of your love. And Father, the reality for each one of us who sits in these chairs, if we're your children or you're not, we still, Father, have that longing inside of us for a far country to go and find identity and joy and meaning without You. But God, we thank You for Your grace that leads us back home and Your grace that makes us come to our senses and so that we can find all that we need from You. So Father, what we need to be reminded of this morning so desperately because we are so prone to wander. We will leave here and we will often set out for a distant country immediately. So God, would you woo us and would you love us through your word? Would you, would you take your word and cause it to, to break up our stone cold hearts? 
Would you bind our wandering feet to the one who loves us and to the one who gives us meaning, life, and joy? And Father, thank you for ridiculous love that continually lavishes upon us forgiveness and grace as we continually wander. Father, may you and you alone receive glory. May we receive great joy. Speak and speak clearly through a broken sinner. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Really, what we have is we have this younger son who is going to to try and find life apart from his father. It's true. And I think what we got to begin by realizing that every trip into a far country is a trek to find life apart from our Heavenly Father. And we seem so willing to take these trips all the time. Have you received the phone call? Have you received the piece of mail that says you have won a free vacation? Have you gotten it? Am I the only one? They're just calling me? They have such great news. They're so excited that I have earned or won or somehow stumbled across a free cruise, a free beach retreat, a free something for my wife and I to come and enjoy the party, enjoy this free cruise or trip. By the way, is it free? No. They only want to lure me, lure you onto their property to sell us something. To sell us something we can't afford, that we don't need. To tell us that there's life in this condo. There's life in this timeshare. There's life in this cruise that you need. And there's something inside of me that is so prone to want to go on free trips. It wants to go, I, I could go. I could just listen. I, I, I could say no. I could go and try to enjoy it. Every trek in life, when the world dangles something in front of us to say, come over here to find life, meaning, and joy, is a trek to try to find something apart from the Father. That's what the younger son was saying. That's what was so scandalous. He was saying, Dad, you're not enough. Father, you're not enough. Your identity with you, your name, your provisions, it's not enough. I got to go and I got to look for something more. I got to look for something else. And listen, the story becomes a reality when you realize that's your heart and my heart. We are so stinking prone to wander. We're going to wander and try to find life apart from the Father. And every trip we take into a far country is an acknowledgement that our Father is not enough. Every trip is an admission that the Father's provision is not enough. And we see history all around us. Prominent men and women continually find themselves in a trek to a distant country. Basically saying that God the Father is not enough. We see it in our religious people. Ted Haggard is one scandalous lifestyle. One who would stand before a congregation much bigger than this with a lot of political clout. And yet, and preach God's Word. And probably preach a sermon like this one. And yet, could find himself in a distant country. 
of homosexuality, of drugs, and of shame. We find our senators there. Sanford, the South Carolina senator, who will spend, his, we love to have the press tell us, taxpayer dollars to go see his mistress. And we say, wow, that distant country has an allure. It has an allure for our pastors. It has an allure for our leaders and our senators. It has a allure for our biblical heroes like King David who will commit adultery and murder to find life in a distant country apart from the Father. But it's not just the pastors and the senators and the prominent men and women. It's you and me. It's the normal women, women, men and women who find themselves on a track apart from the Father to find life. It's every gambler who gambles. Who says, you know what? What the Father provided me is not quite enough. It's not enough to earn a living. I'm going to gamble. I'm going to try to earn something or get something I didn't earn. I'm not pleased with what the Father has given me. It's every shopaholic who goes out and buys just to feel good about themselves. It's a far country to say the Father's identity is not enough. The Father's provisions is not enough. I must go out and shop. And that is my distant country. It's every porn addict who clicks on a website who's basically saying, I need to go to a distant country because the Father's provision and love is not enough. You see, when we think about a distant land that the younger son went to, we realize that the distant land doesn't have to be that distant. It could be right around the corner. I don't know about you, but I seem seem to uh, wear a pretty worn path to a distant land. It's a secret path that I don't want you to know. It's a path that I would live my life, but I know how to find it. And basically, it's the admission that, Father, you haven't provided enough. Your identity's not enough. It's basically the sin of idolatry. It's that breaking that first commandment that you and I are going to wander to look for life apart from the Father. And oh, are we prone to wander. We look at the folly of trying to find life apart from the Father. It is truly folly. But why is there such an allure to the far country? Why is there such an allure? That's what I wanted to wrestle with. I don't want to just come to you and say, don't go to the far country, it's bad. And to say, listen, God is going to zap you if you do, and, and you're going to be found out and shame you into coming back home. That is not the gospel message. That is not the message that God has broke my heart with. And one of the questions I want to wrestle with you is this. Why is there such an allure for the far country? Well, it's because we are. We are looking for life apart from the Father. Anything that we do, it could be some things that seem good. It could be family. It could be our jobs, our careers. It could be things that we just try to find our identity in, our worth in, our joy in apart from the Father. How are you with science? Do you believe that we're going to find life on another planet? 
Do you, do you, are you kind of the ones that think, you know, maybe Mars has water there and we're going to discover there's life there? Well, I got to be honest with you, maybe I'm just ignorant and maybe I'm not a scientific mind, but I think it's really stupid. We're going to spend billions of dollars to sign out. Is there life on Mars? And I want to say, you know what? Maybe we can invest in other things and find out if there's life on Mars because it doesn't seem to be the best investment. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have exploration, but the point is, even more stupid is what you and I have a tendency to do is this, find life apart from the Father. The Father made us in His image. He made us for Himself. He has created us with a, a God-shaped hole that only He can fill. And because the reality we are in His image, we were created to know and love and worship Him. Anytime we take a trek apart from Him to find life, we're only going to find disappointment. Vanity, vanity, all is Vanity. We're looking for life apart from the, uh, the Father. We also, why is there such an allure to the far country? We desire escape from our current reality. I mean, think about it. That is it. Our stuff isn't satisfying us enough. We need more. Our lives don't feel good enough. We need to change. Our current reality stinks. So we're going to go look for something else. It's amazing to me how willing we are as sinners to turn from true intimacy with a father who loves us, true intimacy with our maybe our our wives or our husbands, and find joy, meaning, identity, and false intimacy. That's what the world has to offer us. Come on a cruise. Come find life. Come find meaning apart from the Father. And all it's offering is this it's a lie you're not going to find intimacy with God. You're not going to find intimacy with Him enough to satisfy you. And really, why do we have an allure for the far country? We desire an escape from our current reality. You know, as I wrestled with this, I thought, okay, there's got to be more. Really what God pierced my heart with is this, is we've lost the ability to lament and long for God to fill our needs. Now, just hang on with me for this. This is is a real developing thought in my own life, an aha that God has given me. And I uh, I think our culture and even our churches here in America have a tendency to exasperate this problem. Let me tell you it again. We have lost the ability to long and lament for God to come and to fill us. And somehow you and I believe that we've earned the right for a happy life. And somehow you and I believe that we've earned the right to feel good all the time. That we shouldn't be down. That we shouldn't wrestle. That we shouldn't mourn. And whatever happened to reading the Psalms? And so really, when I turn on the TV, and I did it last week, and I I watched this preacher on television preach to an unbelievably filled, uh, massive, huge place with a great big smile. And just talk with such ease about how much God wants to bless me. And how much God is looking to just make me feel good. And you know what? I started thinking, what's wrong with me? How come I don't feel good? So here's the dilemma. If God is a God that's a sugar daddy, that's offering us all that our hearts desire... And we should never go to a far far country because God just wants to bless and bless and bless, which I believe is true. But I don't think it is bless and bless and bless with what the world has to offer, 
which is not true. So you know what I start thinking of? I'm doing something wrong. I'm somehow not dancing for God in the right way. I'm not praying the right way. I'm not trusting and claiming the right way. I'm not believing the right way because God is leaving me here and I long for a distant country. I want more. And somehow there's brokenness and emptiness in my life. What am I doing wrong? Because here's the dilemma. Either God's lying to me that he really wants me to have the abundant life and I'm not having it, or I am not working hard enough to get it. And I think that we've missed it because I don't think that that's the truth. I think the reality is, is that God has provided us everything we need in Christ Jesus today. But there is a day coming that's not here yet where we're going to see him face to face. And he wants us to long for him. And I I get so broken and think that I need immediate satisfaction that I immediately want to go to the far country. I got to get fixed. I got to get a quick fix because I don't feel good. And we've lost the ability to sit with God and say, God, why do I still feel so broken? Why do I long so deeply? Why do I hurt so badly? And the image that God gave me is an image of a wife that's husband goes off to war and says, you know, I love you and I miss you, but while you're gone, I'm going to love the one I'm with. And I'm going to fill my brokenness, my sorrow, my my insecurities, uh, my need for others with other lovers while my true love is absent. Through our ordeal with cancer, God gave us a quote or, or a story from the life of Charles Spurgeon. I believe it's true. It's that he has, and he had... Back in the 19th century, this great preacher had above his door as he was walking out two words, perhaps today. Perhaps today Jesus is coming back. Perhaps today I'm going to be filled. Perhaps today. Perhaps today. And there was a longing. There was a longing. There was a lamenting. There was a sitting, waiting in the reality that, yes, I know the Father loves me. Yes, I know He's provided for me. Yes, I know that Jesus has rescued me. But the truth is, I'm still broken. I'm still hurting and I'm still needing. And perhaps today, Jesus is going to come away and He's going to drive away sin forever. And He is going to bless me is what we've been promised with the new heavens and new earth and a relationship where we see him face to face, perhaps today. And I think what happened is, is the church today has lost the longing for perhaps today. That somehow we are owed immediate satisfaction. Somehow we've lost the ability to sit with God and wrestle and lament and say, how come? I mean, the younger son didn't go to his father and say, Dad, let's just talk about this. How in the world can I still be needy? Dad, you're a good dad. You're a loving dad. But there's something missing in me. I want more. I want to go find life out there. Why is there an allure for the far country? Listen, here's the beautiful thing. Because you and I are created for the far country. We're created for it. We were created for paradise. We were created for a relationship unhindered by sin with the Father. We were, related, we were created to walk and talk and love Him. But sin messed that up. Yes, Jesus has come and He has bridged the gap. But the story's not over. 
And we should live our lives longing for the far country. But it's the far country where the Father is. It's where the Son is. It's where the Spirit is. It's the new heavens and the new earth. That's the longing in our hearts. And we satisfy ourselves with a far country that the world has to offer. God has offered us the ultimate new heavens and new earth. And we'll go say, yeah, we'll take the vacation for free. Yeah, great. A little cruise. Okay, that's great. And it robs our resources and it takes our identity and it lies to us that we are going to find life. We desire the wrong far country. Why? Well, reckless living always leads to famine. Uh, one, of, one of the books that I read, and by the way, it really takes a congregation to preach a series. I love the fact I preach this. And, and Gina Paglialonga gives me a, a packet of notes that she took about this when she taught this series. And, and Sam Hanna gave me a book that he read from MacArthur. And I'm realizing it takes a congregation to preach a series like this. So thanks for teaching me. Thanks for loving me. Thanks for praying for me. But out of MacArthur's book, The Tale of Two Sons, he talks about what it's really like to feed pigs. And that's where we find the younger brother who's trying to find his identity apart from the father. He winds up feeding pigs. And he tells a pretty interesting story. And I don't hang around a lot with pigs. Um, I've been told my room's a pigsty at times, but I, I don't hang around a lot. But I heard that they eat anything. And apparently there's this big uh, pig farm in Nevada And how they feed their pigs is they take all the throwaway from the Vegas Strip. All the buffets, all the food, all the stuff that's just going to be thrown away. And they put them into these big, huge trucks. They drive them through the desert sun. Uh, They get to be a nice little stew uh, of all the throwaways. And they'll basically say, come on, pigs, come and eat and receive. and, and, uh, And they love it. But you see, God hasn't made us to eat pig slop. And the world will never satisfy us because we are made in his image. And he wants us to to, to feed on him. That's why the writer of Isaiah 55 says, why in the world would you go on a cruise that offers life? Why in the world would you spend money, spend your resources, your identity on the things in the world that will never satisfy you? Come to me, all you who are weary. Come to me, all you who are broken. Why in the world would we look to the world to fill our brokenness We are broken cisterns. The world's stuff can never fill us. It leaks out. And it makes us longing for more. Right when we found out that Katie was going to go through this battle, and and God has been so gracious, and we see His grace all over the place. uh, uh, But a friend of ours gave us uh, two badges to go to a local golf tournament to kind of get our minds off of things. And it was great, but... I didn't really know what I had. I was just excited to be with Katie, and I was just excited to walk around a beautiful golf course, and I was just excited to have a really just a, a blessing away from thinking of cancer. And I had this badge, and, I, and you know, during lunchtime I got hungry, and I, and I went, and I said, well, where's the tent for food? And so I went into the tent for food, and I, and I paid pretty good money for pretty lousy food. And, and, and you know, I thought, okay, this is what you do. Well, then I found out that the badge that I had gave me access to the big dining room upstairs where the prime rib and the Alaskan king crab are free. Where your drinks are free. Where you can sit in air conditioning and watch. And I had a badge that gave me access to the best food on the premise. 
and I was satisfied with paying money for lousy food. What a fool. I hope you see the point. As Christians in Christ Jesus, we have access to the Father's buffet table. We have all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly realms. They're ours as, our, as, as His adopted children. We have access to Him. We have life to Him. And there's more to come. And we have to live our lives with a little bit of a perhaps today mentality. But we have this badge of the Holy Spirit. We have this badge of the Son's blood. We have this badge of the Father's eternal love. And we're still silly enough to go and find a tent that the world has to offer and buy lousy food. Oh, are we prone to wander. Oh, are we prone for the distant, far country. We cling to the wrong crowd. They always bring us toxic food. They'll always lead us to slop. And then we have, in closing, the joy of founding your way home to the Father. You see, joy begins, listen, joy begins with coming to our senses. We were created for God and coming to our senses is is the declaration, the proclamation that the world cannot satisfy you and me. That only Jesus can as He ushers us to the Father. Coming to our senses is the reality that we will not find a good meal at McDonald's. You're not going to find a great steak. And you're not going to find a great meal apart from the Father. We come to our senses and realize we were made for Him. We were made in His image and our home is with Him. And as much as our heart has a proneness to wander, our life is found in Him. Our identity is found in Him. And we're going to go and talk to Him when we're lamenting. And we're going to wrestle with Him. But we're going to look to Him and Him alone for our identity. We're going to look to Him and Him alone for our joy, our meaning, our purpose. We're going to come to our senses and stop spending our stuff on junk. Finding repentance that leads to life. I love the fact it's not works that leads to life. What did the younger son do? He repented. He acknowledged, I have sinned, Father. Isn't it great he didn't have to earn his way back in? Isn't that incredible news? Repentance leads to life. We have a Father who loves us and can't wait to give us a badge that says this is life and life abundantly. You don't have to dance. You don't have to perform. You don't have to come on a silly cruise. I'm going to give it to you freely in my son. It cost his life. But repentance leads to life. It leads to a robe of righteousness, a ring and shoes of sonship. And we experience the feast and love and grace of the Father. Have you experienced that? Have you experienced that lavishing love? And are you longing for more, saying perhaps today? You see, the call for each one of us in this story is to examine your own life in this. Are you the younger son trying to find life apart from the father's love? Is that who you are today? Are you the younger son who has a pretty worn path to the far country to try to find your identity, your joy, your meaning apart from the father? The message is this. Repent and come home. Come to your senses. The world can't offer you what the father can. Are you the elder son trying to find life enslaving for the Father religiously, not really giving Him your heart. The, the, the message to you is repent and come join the Father's party in love and grace. Are you showing the love 
of the Father to others. That's Nowen's point in his book, Return of the, of the Prodigal, that we should become like the Father. In Keller's book, he says we really need to look to the true elder son, Jesus, who would spend everything so that we would be brought in. And then we look to Jesus and say, that's the joy. The joy of Jesus. You know what he did for you? He went to a far country called earth. He ate our slop. He became our sin. And on the cross, they carved in him empty so that we could be full. So that we could come home. So we can find our life and joy and identity with the Father. It's the greatest badge ever. Let us pray. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit right now would come and God, you would really reveal to us who we are in the story. Are we that younger brother, that younger son trying to find identity in life apart from you in a far country? Draw us home. Are we that elder son trying to find life apart from you in a near religious country? Draw us to the party. Father, do we need to become more like the Father and just show that ridiculous love for sinners, welcoming them in and pointing them to Jesus? Father, do we need to be more like the elder brother Jesus who's willing to spend everything to seek and to save the lost? Come and do business with us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I want to pray for you. For those of you who are here, and maybe today or maybe in the last couple of weeks that we've been looking at this story and you found your place and maybe you realize that you were in a far country maybe no one else knows it but you were looking for life and identity apart from the father maybe you're like the younger son and it's just clear or maybe for many of us that elder son hit at home and you realize that so many of our religious stuff exercises are selfish for us and not for the Father maybe you realize through this that you don't love well you just don't love like the Father does I mean you, you, you're kind of judgmental and you're angry and, and, and you're ticked at, at the sin and, and instead of reaching out and embracing sinners you're throwing rocks at them and you're criticizing them and you're up on a high horse or maybe you just realize that you're like the elder brother and you didn't have a passion for the loss being found really you didn't want to share anything that would cost you to bring others in has the spirit worked in your life in the last three weeks have you found yourself in the story if you've been convicted to say, you know what, I'm trying to find life apart from the Father. Can I pray for you? Here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask those of you who are bold enough to want to turn toward home, all you got to do is stand up and say, yeah, I was there. And something in one of those three weeks hit home. And will you pray for me? Because I want to come back home today. So you do that. If you just feel in the last three weeks, you just something hit you, you will stand right where you are. I'm just going to pray in a minute. So this is your point. Stand. For all you younger brothers, all you elder brothers, all you who lack being the father, stand.
I stand among you, convicted of how I try to find life apart from him, even with religion. Forgive me. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you that we can do this knowing that you don't have a big stick to hit us because we don't get it. We thank you that we could do this, that we could stand and say, you know, there's a far country that we find ourselves in. But we want to find ourselves wrapped in your love. And Father, thank you for demonstrating your love for sinners like us by sending your son Jesus who's mighty to save. Mighty to save those who were lost. Jesus, thank You for coming and to seek and save the lost like us. The lost younger sons. The lost elder sons. Jesus, thank You for robing us in the most expensive robe of Your righteousness. Thank You for giving us the Gospel. Giving us Your inheritance, Your name. And thank You for the badge that we now have that has access to the Father and to His banquet table. And perhaps today You're coming back. Holy Spirit, thank You for coming and prompting us to turn and come to our senses and come home. And Father, as we stand here as Your family, we stand and we ask, forgive us, Father. Because we have squandered Your wealth and things that have not brought life. We have disgraced Your name and we aren't worthy. But we run to Christ who is and we find acceptance and love. And He has truly rescued us. Father, I pray that You will allow us by Your grace to find our hope, our identity, our joy in You and stop wandering. We pray in Christ's powerful name. Amen.